0: Fast Car by Tracy Chapman was released on April 6th, 1988. 14 days later, she played Mississippi Nights right here in St. Louis with the 10,000 Maniacs in front of less than 300 people. If you're looking to be one of those people that can say, I was there when, go to ExploreStLouis.com and check out an incredible resource of things to do, including concerts. Today we talk to a true Hall of Famer. Inducted into both the St. Louis Soccer Hall of Fame and the U.S. Soccer Hall of Fame, Pat McBride, nicknamed Buzzsaw, was anything but that with us. He was kind, humble, and incredibly inspiring. He walks us from his CYC days on the north side, casually through a pile of national championships, an NASL career that has won for the record books, and a heavy dose of steamers insight. We had a blast. So will you. Let's go.
1: (laughs) We're back. People are freaking out about yesterday's Grammys.
0: I'm coming full circle here.
1: Did you like the way, I, I think when you say full circle, you like the way that he, his demeanor yesterday
0: thousand percent well i think luke Bryan, Combs. luke combs Maybe we'll make i know there's just too many luke's <laughs> in country music these days um i will give him credit because he came out she 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 was the star of that set of that song yeah but he does it you know like at this part of the show, he's looking at her when he's singing. It's like he's showing all kinds of respect. Absolutely,
1: so. absolutely. He was completely reverent, and he was what's the right word? I think he was in awe of her.
0: Well, I didn't see the piece. Uh, somebody sent it to me where they do that. You know, when I was a kid, I was in my dad's truck, and I used to play this song. And uh, you know what? Kudos. Yeah, he leaned into. it. Now, on the other hand, on the other hand, her song made him buku buku bucks
1: and i think he would even be the first to admit it um i I think we we've covered this so we're beating this up but yeah i'm not she she definitely performs the song better yeah you know it's It's her song
0: it's just different you know she wrote it from a different place and you know the original rarely is the part due uh on par with the original. So, yes. Uh, Soccer Dad Pod here. We're back. And if you listen to the show, you know that uh, I tend to have a uh, significant issue with uh, cover songs, especially by pop country of classic songs and Fast Car back in the day when Luke rolled it out. Luke Bryan Combs. Um, I was like out of my mind, but last night at the uh, Grammy, Grammys, uh, Luke and Tracy stepped on stage and they did that. So kudos. Go check it out. It's really good if you haven't. Um We are, well, tonight's episode, today's episode, this episode that you're listening to, this is a Mount Rushmore, um, St. Louis soccer figure. You're going to love this one. We're going to love this one. Um, We're down here in Sunset Hills at Mellow Mushroom recording this one. Uh, Looking forward to it. Me uh, and you, J-Rod. We're holding out because Zach's in route. You know, soccer drop-off, that kind of thing. And uh, our guest is in route, too. So uh, I'm going to kind of get the intro going here. I want to throw out some thank yous. I'm going to start with our partners, our friends out there at Family Arena, The Ambush. They pulled off another W. Um,
1: Two big wins this weekend.
0: Yeah. uh, Overtime win? Well... Uh, the second one was overtime.
1: Yeah, second one against the Comets, who have, they have not beaten this year. Uh, come from behind win, win in overtime. Great goal by Missouri State Bear alum. Um, they got it cooking. Um, and they are not mathematically el- eliminated from playoffs yet.
0: Well, I want to uh, thank them for all they do. Uh, it's heating up, and it's funny because I, I do uh, carpool in the morning with the Littles. I take the fourth graders in the uh, a, and a first grader. To Clark Elementary and uh, Killian, which is Max's best bud, gets in the car. And says, "Mr. Anderson, how's it going today? Hey, by the way, I went to uh, Ambush Indoor Soccer yesterday. It was awesome. Have you ever heard of them?" I said, <laughs> "I said I have Killian. Are you not listening to my show?" <laughs> so take take it from a fourth grader. Uh, it's fun. That's um, awesome. Explore St. Louis. Uh, really appreciate all the support you guys give us. Uh, for those of you that are wondering, explorestl.com. It, you know how you get those uh, rider's blocks, brain farts, whatever you want to call them whenever it's time to, uh, you know, we're in a rut, we want to do something different, I don't know what to go, where to go, what to eat, what to do. Go to explorestl.com. Um, which brings me to just a really quick question, because in the last episode, when we went down the burger route, that stirred up some controversy. <laughs> so if you get a chance, go back, check that out, or just go to any of our socials. We got a nice little reel. You know, one of those cool kid reels uh, with video and everything, uh, talking about the best burgers in St. Louis. But this this week, I got a quick question for you, because I was scrolling through it, and one of the major categories is music. Um, I don't know if you noticed in Twitter, but there was a regional arts commission released the report that they've been doing over the last few years, where they did this uh, economic impact of okay. music on the St. Louis region. Do you know what the number is by chance? If you were to guess how much money is generated due to concert, music, ticket sales. And that's a A yearly number? And and the corresponding dollars along with it, yes. It's a yearly number, I would say 200 million. Eight hundred and ninety-eight million. Holy
1: shit! Baby. Does anything else generate that kind of revenue? I don't know. The St. I mean, Louis Cardinals, maybe.
0: Yeah, you know, I didn't. I didn't get into the weeds, but you know, just uh, if you did the math on City, City didn't. No, from a soccer perspective. Now, granted, that's three hundred sixty-five days of music. At versus X amount of home games. God, I
1: didn't think that number was that high. That's awesome. It's I mean, a, we're fortunate to have that amount of music in our backyard. It's a
0: big one. So here's my explore question of the day for you. You have a choice. Uh, I'm going to give you a list of concerts that are coming to St. Louis. And if you're wondering when or you want to check it out, go to ExploreSTL.com. You'll find these. Uh, Pink, Drake, Zach Bryan, Def Leppard, or the Eagles Farewell Show.
1: Take your pick. I'm going to add one there. Wait, what you got? I'm going to go to Billy Joel and Sting at Busch Stadium. Mm, I forgot about that one. And, I didn't put that September, one in September. And then, um, but I am here. Let me tell you this. My family is going to Drake next to Monday. Yes, yeah? Next Monday or Tuesday. I think it's Monday. Yeah, it is Monday. Next Monday, Drake comes. Um... Yeah, I got family members going to that, well, and I got a lot of money wrapped up great, in that. I was so going to
0: say, that's a great segue, because uh, our, our friends over at PinnacleLoans.com, they're really good at finding new houses, refis, et cetera. I was going to ask, did you did you call Chris and Bill to refi to
1: get those Drake tickets? <laughs> <laughs> no. No, but I might. I, I, I need a, <laughs> yeah. yes. I probably do need to call, because uh, they, they went ahead and got pit tickets for that one. Oh, my
0: God. Ugh. Yeah, don't tell me, dude. I'll just make fun of it. Uh, PinnacleLoans.com. Thanks, guys, for the support of the show. Brings us to pinnacle points of the day. Uh, I've got a couple here. You, uh, I, I do as well. Kick it off. Go ahead.
1: Well, the first one I'm going to go with is out of soccer because I think we'll both go back into soccer. Today, it was announced that Mizzou Athletic secures a $62 million <laughs> gift commitment, meaning that a private donor, to not be named because they asked that they stay private, um, gives the Missouri athletic department $62 million. Just to break it down, $50 million goes into that stadium to to, um, to excel the game day experience into that North End, which I think they're going to make that like some of the other big time SEC venues. Um, $12 million goes into what they call their Tiger Fund, which could be earmarked for the athletic department across the board or for specific um, teams or programs. Um, this is this is double their biggest um, donation ever um, from you know back in the 2010s 11s area. I, 62 million dollars donation. I mean, does that blow your mind? Well, does that it, blow your mind more than 900 million for a yearly concert revenue? I think it's contextually. I think it's two different things. I think they both are really amazing
0: numbers for two different, completely different reasons. Um, you know, $900 million roughly For music in St. Louis That's just an insane number It's just, you know, we're a music town yep. When you talk about $62 million From an individual donor Because that's what it is um, To a school You think of the altruism, you think of, oh, oh, great, yeah, hey, we're going to help kids become the next gen of leaders. No, no, we're going to feed our ego and we're going to put it into a football stadium (laughs) for the SEC.
1: Yes, 87% of it's going into the, 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 or whatever the math is. Yes,
0: which in a time where due to a multitude of factors where you, you get almost weekly or quarterly, maybe monthly, news reports coming out of, uh, large programs cutting sports, primarily Olympic-style sports, or some of those that are off the radar, or duplicate, you know, male and female sports. Uh, well, soccer, soccer's been cut at at, at some schools too, um, and yet the 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 power schools and the power sport rakes in private money to the tune of enough to fund probably every one of those other sports at the university
1: well without question i i i don't know the 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 university economics but if 50 goes straight to the stadium how long does 12 million dollars finance that athletic department
0: not long at all i mean what's the what's the coaching staff's wages
1: alone Uh, yeah i guess i mean I just, I, I just couldn't imagine receiving sixty-two million dollars for well, anything. Well,
0: what's, what's, what's tuition, room, and board at Mizzou these days? Ballpark?
1: A state, in-state. I would tuition, room, Is it like and board, 25, 30? I, I don't know. At highest, probably.
0: Okay, and and there's what, forty? No. How many kids are on the roster?
1: On the football roster, yeah. probably upwards of sixty plus.
0: Yeah. So you know, you start doing the math, and it's like that money goes away quick. Okay. I don't know. It's crazy. You know Hey, look. I just wanted
1: to announce that on Pinnacle Point one of the day because that news, that headline, I had to open up the article just to read it because the amount knocked my socks off. Go ahead.
0: No, that's a big one. Uh, My Pinnacle Point of the day, I'm I'm going to talk about the World Cup, Uh, specifically the game locations. I found a lot of to chew on in this one because this is this isn't the first time that multiple nations have hosted a World Cup. This is the first time, I believe, that three have that being Mexico, Canada, and yours truly. Um, some some of the nuance I found really interesting. Uh, number one, the U.S. games were all announced: yep. uh, two L.A., one Seattle. So they're all going to be on the West Coast. Um, n- you know, take take it for what it's worth. I understand it, specifically the two L.A.s. I mean, it's market, big, big market, big games, big stadiums. Not that there's not big markets and big stadiums elsewhere, but um, whatever. And we know that because of the size, the amount of mileage between the potential two furthest locations in this World Cup, you really need to regionalize these groups and teams so they're not traveling all over. Uh, so that's the first thing. U.S., uh, sorry, Kansas, Mr. Mrs. Soccer Capital, you got jack shit. Um, uh, the second thing I re- noticed was the final is going to be in Jersey. Yep. Wasn't anywhere else. Not I thought that one come. was crazy. Uh, third is the semifinals are Dallas and Atlanta are going to have the semifinals. And the Kansas City, which we were just talking about, Uh, They are going to get four first-round games and two knockout games. Um, So they don't get any of the later dates. They don't get Team USA. So they'll get, I don't know, um, uh, Morocco versus Iran or something.
1: I will say this, and and our USA homers will not like this. I was looking at the news, news article also of them releasing the information you're spewing out right now. Yeah. Does any picture or landscape make up for that Mexico City Azteca. No. That that mountain right outside of there, and the well, mount- that, 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 it, that is just the most beautiful thing ever. Well, I,
0: yeah, I don't it's definitely Mexico. I don't know if that's Azteca. I think that's the other stadium. Uh, regardless, the opener is in Mexico City. Yep. Um, and our friends to the north, also known as the 51st State slash Canada, <laughs> they get nada. They get no, no semifinal, no final, no opening. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so if it weren't for hosting their their national team, probably wouldn't make it either. But uh, sorry, Canada.
1: Well, that's I mean the World Cup news coming out today for Pinnacle Point Two. I I really like that one. I'll go to three. Pinnacle Point Three. I just want to give a brief recap for our listeners. What's going on in all St. Louis City Soccer Club? um this weekend we just come off our first televised friendly uh we go to la i don't know how much stake you 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 put into this but we win the game two to one the best thing that i saw durkin's goal durkin's goal our new guy that we get quality quality goal um kind of both 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 people both teams um you know kind of hockey line change between first half and second half la galaxy had a lot of young kids on there in the second half Last part of news for St. Louis City, UPSL drops the national final after beating Columbus Crew in the semifinal. Um, congratulations to the UPSL group. Uh, that's a young, pre-college aged group, and they yeah. played an adult aged group, which is no. That's no. Mis- that, that's no excuse, um, but they got. Um, I think they got out aged and outsmarted in the final, but hey, uh, UPSL second in the nation. Uh, congratulations! Well, it's it, another trophy for the
0: y- for the young. You club. have you have you have a number of players that are still in high school. Yeah, like yeah, uh, uh, goal scorer right? Yeah, boy Delkus. Yep, he's a senior. Yep, uh, Sellers comes in. Yep. Senior. Riley Gibbs. Yeah, all of them. So yep. kudos, guys. Uh, I'm going to close this out with the final pinnacle point of the day, and it's my uh, pinnacle pet peeve of the day. Um, that is uh, fundraising. Kid fundraising. I don't care if it's Girl Scout cookies or pizzas or whatever. Uh, I, 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 I They bug me. But you remember Alyssa Milano?
1: <laughs> Did you Google her net worth?
0: Uh, well, I believe it's like... 12, 13 million. Was through. there a
1: GoFundMe for a baseball game? Yeah, GoFundMe. <laughs> Alyssa that, Milano. That, that just every, drove you nuts. I know now, how bad that drives uh, you nuts.
0: <laughs> for for uh, fellow Gen Xers and really anybody with a pulse, uh, Alyssa Milano was a lot more than just Alyssa Milano to us. Yes. Uh, and now it's like, why, Alyssa? You are a multimillionaire. Your kid's baseball team is going to Cooperstown for some elitist L.A. suburban club team's outing. Do not set up a GoFundMe for 10 grand. Cut the check. (laughs) Just cut the check. Or just
1: pay for your own kid and move
0: on. Oh, my God. I was so embarrassed. It really hurts. Hey, we're going to take a break here. Uh, Our esteemed guest is in our presence. Uh, Zach is right around the corner. We're going to get a refill. Mellow Mushroom, thank you. And we'll be right back after this. Long before MLS gave us Messi and Berkey, the original MLS gave us multifamily listings and dream home searches. Chris, Bill, and Pete at Pinnacle Real Estate Advisors on the Hill make the home buying process easy. Now, they are not as savvy as Messi in the midfield, but they are experts at helping you find, close, and afford that first home, second home, renovation, or investment property. So go check out thepinnacleloans.com and get your dream home process back on the easy track. Okay. We're back. We got everybody at the table. We even have a plus one listening in here. (laughs) The real boss, Mrs. McBride. Zach, how you doing? Doing good, man. How's traffic?
2: I, I love it. I know. I, I, I wish I could just drive in traffic all day. <laughs> it's it's therapeutic. Maybe Jared could get me a
1: job. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> I, I have actually, that's one of those things. In, in my older age, I am no longer going to get a job for anybody. And I think you're kind of on the same boat.
2: Uh, there are
1: some people I might. Would you get me a job? there's some people there. <laughs>
0: alright well we are back we're here at Mellow Mushroom in Sunset Hills uh, smells good by the way you walked uh, in how bad was it
2: it was yeah
1: I, 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 I wanted to eat all of it uh, they're out of the mushroom <laughs> soup so fresh out Zach well, you're not, you're, not,
0: you're not doing one of those like fast food free Februaries or anything like that, are you?
2: I, I'd starve to death if yeah, I had to do right. a fast food free. <laughs> I don't have time to. I mean, I, I did buy stuff for meal prep, and I think we're going to try to do some things tonight. But, meal prep? Yeah. Uh, meal prep.
0: It's cool if you're drinking rosé at the same time or <laughs> well, something. Yeah. Otherwise, I, it's just a job. <laughs> well, it, it is a job. I mean, what we do is a job. Yeah, that's true. You got to feed those little things. Um, we're back. We, Like I said, we're here at uh, Mushroom in Sunset uh, Hills. We have an incredible guest with us today. I'm just going to get right into it. Without further ado, the legend, the name, the one and only Mr. Pat McBride. How are you, Pat?
3: I'm doing great. Thank you. It's, it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, you know, it's... We're, we're
0: really excited. We, we, we People that listen to the show know we say this n- not often, but enough to remember it in so much that because we all grew up here in love with the game, idolizing individuals like yourself, you know, at the at the old barn and uh, national team players that went on and were on TV and we could see one of our own and, and then our own experiences with the game, you know, and through all that process, we always, you know, you talk about St. Louis soccer. And when you talk about it, inevitably it's about the players and it's about the culture. Well, you're one of those players that is in every single conversation. You. So my yeah. first question to you is, how does that,
3: do, A, do you realize that? B, how cool is that? Well, first of all, um, hey, thank you for, for that. Uh, you know, I do realize it, and along with it, you know I think comes uh, you know you, you've got a real good history of what preceded you and to be um, to be named with players like Harry Keel and Bobby Keel and Bob Rooney, Charlie Colombo, that that group you know and uh, the whole St. Louis history it's, uh, it's humbling it, it, it really is and it's it's neat to be uh, be a part of that, and I love uh, you know the St. Louis history. And I think uh, with city, I think they've done a great job in terms of uh, keeping it going.
1: Yes, they have.
0: Well, let's uh, like I like I stated this before. We jumped on the mic. We are our, our only process is usually try to keep things a little chronological. Um, and i joked about the question as far as the only thing you need to really be concerned with and that is let's start from the beginning north side or sure. south side where where'd you start kicking around that ball that we all love
3: yeah i i grew up uh in north st louis i grew up in holy rosary parish and uh it was uh, by fairgrounds park you know sure. we lived about a block away from paragon's park and um soccer was uh what was the sport? We, we played all the different sports, but soccer was the one sport that we continued to play through the summer. Uh, we had a schoolyard that was almost built built for soccer, and uh, in the evenings we'd meet up there and we'd play 15 against 15, 20 against 20, whatever it was, <laughs> and it was it was just great fun. And um, like I said, we, we played baseball, we played um We played basketball. We played the other sports, but soccer was the preeminent sport for sure.
0: So at what point, you know, because as a kid, you you would have been roughly seven or eight, you know, for the 1950 team and what happened then. And then obviously growing up in the neighborhood that you did, playing those games as a young child and into your teens, you know, soccer wasn't new to St. Louis and frankly it was at a time where soccer was kind of new to most of america other than pockets did you did you did you idolize anybody as a kid because i was just talking about how we grew up idolizing individuals like yourself uh and others who was your idol as a kid in those early days
3: well I, you know i did have favorite players uh bill luby and and bob rooney harry keel we lived a block away from fairgrounds, and every Sunday we go down and we watch Kudas play, we watch Simpkins play, and we see all the the really good players. And a player that I related to as I was, uh, you know, going through grade school was uh, Freddie Vasquez. Freddie Vasquez was a winger that played with Kudis, and he was, I think, he was a. Uh, senior in high school, senior at DeBerg High School when he started playing for CUDIS and he's out there and here he is 17, 18 years old and he's on the wing playing with Luby and Butch Cook and Bob Rooney and and all these great players and I was able to to kind of relate to him because he was more my age and um, I, I thought that uh, I had the opportunity to, to watch him to see how he uh, Perform and that he could be a part of such a good team at such a young age. That's awesome.
1: Go, go ahead, Jared. Yeah, um, you, you know, those those guys that you're mentioning, you know, in, in your era and you coming into your own, those were really the who's who of, of St. Louis players at that time talking with a lot of your peers. So you get through the, the the grade school days and you play in the CYC, which we've heard that story from a lot of your guys' is um, era that that was a big time deal. If you could talk about the CYC a little bit, but then you then right after that you go into McBride High School, and, and there's been a lot of guys that we've had on the show that played for McBride High School. Um, t- talk about that timeline uh, of your career leading into those, um, uh, you know, uh, St. Louis U High, maybe St. Louis U High. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, this is well, but, McBride. I was but, with but you. I you, you did McBride. <laughs> you were involved with McBride too, correct? Uh, no.
3: Okay. No. Um, uh, one, one thing that I, I really wanted to bring up was uh, my first coach was Al Trost's dad, Walter Trost. Oh, boy. <laughs> and he lived um, just a few houses away from us. He lived on, we lived on Margaretta, He lived on the next street over, San Francisco. And it was about a 30-second walk over the, to the Trost house. And, so uh, so Al, Al is the new
0: Kevin Bacon
3: yeah. Like everybody yeah.
0: is one degree of separation from Al at yeah. an early point.
3: Well, so- he and uh, Al had a brother. He had six, uh, there were six boys in the family, and his brother Wally and I were the same age. And we played together, played baseball, soccer, the whole bit. And Al was like the team mascot. He was four years younger, and uh, <laughs> he, w- he was always tagging along and being a part of us and uh it was just great the trolls family treated me like really they had seven boys i was a seventh you know <laughs> <That's> and <laughs> it, it it was funny if uh, any of them were listening they'll chuckle about that because i'd beat them sometimes i'd be over there for breakfast before they got up you know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh they'd be cracking up but we had uh yeah, you know, we just had a great time. And, you know, that was like the CYC was unbelievable in terms of the opportunities that we had. And Al's dad was, he was just a great coach. He knew what he was doing and kind of taught us the game. And um, we, we had a lot of fun with it. Then I went to St. Louis U High okay. and played for Ebby Dunn. And Ebby Dunn was really uh, an excellent, excellent coach. Um, And at that particular time, the only negative was that we played during the winter. Uh, Our season started December 1st, and it ended the end of March. And I remember we played um, at that time. It would have been the state championship, but it was the district championship then because it wasn't statewide. It was just the district. We played Mercy High School in um 12 14 inches of snow for the final and they couldn't call it off because the next day you know according to their books they had to start preparing the the field for baseball so they said that's it. If you don't get the game in the day, you you can't use the field.
0: So what did they do, toss a bunch of shovels no. into all the kids' hands and said, you
3: know, well, <laughs> clear both,
0: the field, kids.
3: Yeah, it, well, <laughs> both both teams had uh, we just kind of fouled a leader around the field and made the lines pretty much, yeah. And made the half line, center circle, the whole bit and then
1: played the game. I, I often think about when the when the high school season from your guys' era was played as a winter sport. You mentioned the, the the dates, December to March. And, and, and you just seen what we went through in our winter. I mean, we had minus zero degree <laughs> temps, probably yeah. 15 days of the last yeah. 35. How was it even possible? And when did they switch it from winter to fall? Do you remember? You
3: know, I, I think it was 1970. I think that was the date that they, they changed it okay. um, to soccer being a fall sport. But it, it was it was crazy, and at that time, you know,
1: we didn't wear sweatpants. You, no. you had to wear shorts, and I mean, and little <laughs> shorts at that, like, <laughs> well, your pockets were hanging out of them.
3: And the game would be scheduled for four o'clock in the afternoon, and the coaches, I mean, God love them, they would pile everybody in the however however many different cars and get you to the field. And you'd try and start maybe 10, 15 minutes before because it was going to get dark. Yeah. So we're playing instead of playing... the yeah, no lights. In, right. Instead of playing 30-minute halves, we're playing 20-minute halves.
2: And wow. it, was,
3: it, it was difficult. It was, you know, the kids nowadays...
1: They have no you know, clue.
3: Yeah, here I, here I go, you know, oh, yeah, back in That's our amazing. day. That's amazing. But it, it was amazing. And what the coaches, Harry Keel... Uh, to his credit, would always say that he really felt that playing during the winter was great for for the kids because they were a lot tougher, and he thought that really toughened them up. Now, when he was coaching down the St. Louis, I mean, their season was, again, it was September through, <laughs> through November, but he really felt that... Um, That was a big part of St. Louis.
1: You know, a lot of guys on this show have talked about playing here and and wanting to stay here because they could play year-round. And I've always been like, okay, yeah, play year-round. I get it. But, like, they truly were playing year-round. Because in our era, you're off from middle of December through the middle of January at the very least just because of the temps. Well, I think there's that. And then there's
0: just the the, the thing that – your generation and peers really talk about talking about year round was even if it wasn't an organized league you had better park leagues or pickup games in some neighborhoods than other cities had quote organized leagues just because of the volume of the talent exactly you know and the culture kind of it was embedded
2: well ty Ty Keyo talked about how on wednesdays it was a north versus south games i can't remember which park he mentioned Obviously, that was a, a little bit after your time, but not much. Oh, but when he was playing at St. Louis Before yeah. then, yeah.
3: Okay, before then, okay. Like mm-hmm. when he was
2: in grade school doing CYC, and then right, in high school, right. he said there was a, a weekly Wednesday night North versus South, South game, yeah, yeah, and those are the teams that the players that played in those games are the ones that fueled Kudis and then SLU and all right.
1: that. I think he referenced those games were often tougher like cuz he referenced at that same time in that slew yeah. like slew would go play somebody on Saturday but then they'd play a north south game <laughs> yeah. on Wednesday and that game was more competitive yeah. than who they played on Saturday in in the coll- collegiate team so yeah. so let's yeah.
2: let's talk let's
0: talk about that shift from you know the chaos that is high school soccer with shortened halves and no right. lights and all of that uh, but in your backyard just down the road you get your collegiate opportunity to go play for the slew billicans Uh, two questions. One, I love asking this for your household, for your parents. What did it mean when, you know, that day or that, that, however it played out when you were able to go to them and say, I'm going to go get a college education and I'm going to do it by playing soccer. What did that mean to them?
3: You, You know, I think it was, uh, again, uh, going back to that particular time, when, when I came out of high school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do, and I didn't really have any offers in terms of playing college soccer. Uh, in talking to Coach Dunn, he said, Penn State, they have an interest. If you want to look at uh, any other schools like up east, you can. St. Louis was just getting their program going, and they hadn't, uh, they're recruiting. How, HOW WOULD YOU SAY? THEY, they uh, WEREN'T SOMEBODY THAT I HAD TALKED TO. Um, AND IT WASN'T UNTIL I STARTED PLAYING. WHEN I WAS A FRESHMAN AT ST. LOUIS U. I I STARTED PLAYING uh, SENIOR BALL. AND I GOT THE ATTENTION OF BOB GELKER. AND HE INVITED ME DOWN uh, TO A LUNCH DOWN AT ST. LOUIS U. Uh, met with the athletic director. One thing led to another, and you know, I think I got half a scholarship. That type of thing. My my dad was one of these. Um, he was going to let me find my own way. Yeah. You know, if I wanted uh, if I wanted to do. He was a lawyer, and he figured that I'd figure it out. I'd figure what I wanted to do and what road I wanted to take. Um, and what i wanted uh, to major in that type of thing so you know it it wasn't uh, like nowadays in terms of players declaring for this school or that school it just kind of happened
0: got it well let me um, so in those time frame because your first year 63 i believe SLU had just notched uh 59 60 and 62 Three national championships. You come in 63 your freshman year.
3: Uh, freshman
0: couldn't couldn't play freshman year, is that
3: correct? That's correct. We, we couldn't play as freshmen. My first year as a sophomore was 63.
0: Right. Okay. Okay, so then you guys, you did win we, we your did first year. Champions. We did. Yeah, so just walk us through that. With the experience of taking the path that you did, loving the game hanging out with guys like Al Trost at all um, right. what did it mean for you like that first time to be on the field and with a team that you just won a national title
3: well I, I just remember the first day of practice um, for the 1963 team and hey we were uh, there was a player Carl Gentile, Um he and I were like Hey, there are going to be two sophomores that are really going to be big, important players for the team. Well, Coach Galker tells the team that if um, uh, if we don't make the Final Four, uh, looking at St. louis's history, then it would be a disaster, you know. And <laughs> I mean, when when you're going like, wow, you know, here we go. Um, but it, it was neat because. Uh, uh, you knew you were playing for a real good team you knew what the expectations were um, we had a real tough game up in Michigan State that year went up to Michigan State got beat 4-3 to three. it was a great game uh, we could have won and then uh, we make the we made the playoffs and we had to go out to San Francisco for the right to play Michigan State. We go out to San Francisco in the first round, and we win 5-2 to two out there against a really, really good team. And then we go to Michigan State, and it was November 22nd, 1963, the day Kennedy oh my was God. shot. So we go out onto the field. Half of us, uh, half of the players knew that uh, we, we all knew we had been shot half of them knew that he had passed how they found that out maybe from some fans or whatever but it's probably twitter yeah, pro-
1: <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think so
3: no wonder i don't get twitter uh no uh but but i mean that was really so bittersweet oh, that, man. you know we ended up going up we beat Michigan State on their field, 2 nothing, and come off the field, and right away we know, knew that Kennedy had died. Dang. And, I mean, that just kind of, wow. Um, and there were a few of us that were going to stay the next day, the Big Ten football championship. Dick Buckus and Jim Grabowski played for Illinois. They were playing Michigan State, wow. and <laughs> they were playing in the – uh, Big 10 championship game, which was called off. Yeah. Um, so we ended up uh, going home and ended up going to um, uh, Rutgers and that's where they had the final four. And we, uh, I'll never forget this, we go walking into the dorm and we're staying there with, uh, uh, they put all the teams in one dorm. So we're gonna play Maryland the next day and Maryland just couldn't wait to play us because the year before, St. Louis U beat Maryland in the final by a goal. And okay. they thought, hey, all those guys graduated. And said, we got oh, This is our
1: year. We got them. <laughs> this
3: is our year. We're walking in, and they're telling us, don't even unpack. We're going to kill you guys. we I mean, it was brutal. And, and so you, we you, just kind of went to our room. We won 7-3. Awesome. to
2: three. <laughs> And you're oh, like, how you cow. like them crab cakes? Eggs. You know? There you go. <laughs> I don't know if we were that quick. <laughs> well, they're, they're, I mean, their mascot's a turtle, so I, I, <laughs> yeah, I think it's okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, I, I just one of the things that that you brought up, which is kind of the 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 Keo mentality, probably the Gelker mentality of of the hard work and and kind of pushing kids you played in an era where you had to shovel snow just to, to play high school. Exactly. And now you've got kids like our spoiled brats who, <laughs> you know, they can't play because the, <laughs> well, they're like, the heaters on the turf with... didn't work. Yeah. I'm you know,
0: like, they're, they're complaining about touches. You like, go to the park and they're like, well, there's no turf at the park. Right. <laughs>
2: there's lumpy stuff there. Um uh, how do you process that? How do you process the change in the popularity of the game, but also just kind of the, the mentality around soccer? Because back then, soccer in St. Louis was a big deal. But nationally, soccer was way down in the depth chart as far as popularity. Um, so I'd love to get your perspective on just how things have adapted and changed over the last, you know, 40, 50 years.
3: Yeah, you know, it's, it's such a change. Uh, that it's hard to grasp it, it really really is when when you see uh, the the fields and uh, you go to Kansas City you see the Overland Park complex you see nice I mean it, it it just seems like there's so many really neat facilities now it's that's a great question I don't know if I've ever processed that well you know
0: le- let me frame it a different way yeah. when you were Getting into the groove, you know, your collegiate years, winning the national titles, uh, playing on the field with players, maybe upperclassmen that have went on to play professionally, national team, et cetera. Did you ever envision the game being as popular today, you know, as it it was then?
3: I I don't think I did. No, I I don't think I did. Uh, The the way it's growing, it's... uh, It's fantastic, I mean, I love it. Uh, Getting back to to how the fields and processing that, I mean, we thought it was normal to to play with frozen footprints. And (laughs) trying to not turn your ankle as you're playing the game. And that was just part of the field. You know, nowadays, you know, the kids don't have to deal with that. And I think that's probably good. On one hand, but on the other hand, it's like you know, you wish they could have a little bit of that.
1: More adversity. More 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 adversity adversity. they can't control. Yeah, I see what you're getting at. You know, that makes sense. I love it. Well, I tell you what. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take
0: a quick break. Uh, We're up here at Mellow Mushroom. We're gonna get some uh, refills, take a breather. When we come back, we're gonna shift into. if, uh, If I'm reading this right, 193 appearances with the stars. Is that right? Or do you, yeah, do you, do you update I, your wiki page, I,
3: I, I don't update it, but I, there were a lot. Oh my God. <laughs> 10 years. We're going to talk about that. Holy cow. And we're going to, and I'm going to do
0: some math that I think everybody's going to love, except for jo- uh, Jared here. So we'll be back <laughs> right after the break. See ya. I'm Max and I'm nine years old. When I'm not playing soccer, jumping on a trampoline or playing Xbox, With permission, of course. I listen to the Baked In podcast with Josh Allen. Josh talks to some of the most incredible business leaders in St. Louis. From Maxine Clark of Build-A-Bear to Gerard Kraft, the chief flavor officer for my favorite team, St. Louis City SC. There's something for everyone. If you're interested in the secret sauce of success, Check out the Baked In podcast. Now back to those old guys.
1: Oh, I love this song. You like this one? Oh dude. man, this is on my playlist. Is it? <laughs> I, is it top ten? Yeah, and you knew it was. I've actually played this in the car with That's you true. multiple times.
0: You play him Jackson Five in the car when you're together. And he sometimes dude. and I sing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad I could appease. <laughs> we're back.
1: Second half. He's
2: also a huge fan of the Neverland Ranch. That's why
1: that's the play. <laughs> I, I, I don't get what you're saying there. <laughs> the, ro- the quote. Look it up or don't. <laughs> don't, don't. Don't look it up. Don't. I wouldn't look it up. No. Kids, don't look that up. Nope.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. We're back with senior Pat McBride. Um, up here at Mellow Mushroom, got some refills. Um, having a blast here. And as I mentioned before, we rolled out. We're going to shift it up a little bit um, because I have a feeling if we really dug deep, this could be like a seven hour conversation. Oh, we could, <laughs> yeah. We team could team to team, story to story. Oh,
2: we've uh, got to get, get to the steamers. Oh, <laughs> oh, we're, we're oh, oh in
0: there. trust Don't me. Don't worry. <laughs>
2: well, here, let's, let's do
0: this. One of favorite <laughs>
2: topics on this show.
0: Uh, let's before we get into the steamers, because we're okay. definitely going to peel that apart. <laughs> Got to talk about the NASL days, uh, playing with the stars.
1: hundred, you, you're there for uh, ten years. 10, ten years, you know, almost. first American player drafted by him. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. I, uh, There's only one of
2: those guys, right? He's and here. Not only, just to put this <laughs> into perspective, we've had quite a few NASL veterans on the show. Very few of them lasted more than two, maybe three seasons. A lot of them started you know, in that, the late 70s as it was kind of starting to go down. But you saw it from very early and got to live 10 years. And not only did you get to play the NASL for 10 years, you didn't have to leave home. You had right. to play. Was it the
3: NPSL the first year even, right? Drafted in it. Had, it yeah. it yeah. was the MPSL.
0: Yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. Well, my, the first question, and I want to get us into this, was <clears throat> you have a tremendous career at, the, at SLU. You guys win the, all, all those titles. Um, again, I mentioned earlier, I alluded to the fact that you, you knew a lot of people that were playing pro at that point already. Did you know it was coming and or did you want it to, to, to become your
3: path? Well, first of all, I, I had no idea it was coming. Um, and I, I think what the, um, uh, how, how should I say it? The forerunner was the 66 World Cup and then in 67 was when the MPSL started Uh and that's when the professional league started. And, um, being, being a part of that, it was very difficult because here we are, uh, the, the league was all foreign. Uh-huh. It was basically uh, the coaches were English, Scottish, uh, Scottish oh, yeah. uh, Yugoslavian. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best team was the Oakland Clippers, and they basically brought um, the Red Star team um, over, oh, wow. and they were unbelievable.
1: Is that the team that spanked Team America or spanked somebody here like— pretty good. The, the, the Red Star beat St. Louis real bad here. Right. Yeah, well, whoever they played, they spanked. I,
3: mean, <laughs> they, they not, I think didn't the matter. answer to that question they, was they, yes, they <laughs> did. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were that good. And we had two of the players that were Yugoslavian national team players. Shekalaric and Bora Kostic, were two guys that uh, played for the St. Louis Stars. And it was... For me, the first two years was such a, a learning experience. It was wow. to go from playing for St. Louis to playing with players that had this, this kind of resume.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, it was just such a learning experience, and it was so valuable, but then after the first two years, um, then the league disbanded, and then they kept maybe four or five teams going Uh, for the next couple years, and then it made a resurgence when the Cosmos with Pele and Beckenbauer and that whole group when they came. Um, So it was, you know, I was lucky because the league, uh, St. Louis always had a team, and I played uh, the first 10, and they were 10 years and then they played another year and then they moved to California.
1: You know what I like to, to like our listeners to know because I don't think a lot of people know this. So we just kind of went through the timeline, especially for Mr. McBride's time there, started in the MPSL, went to the NASL. Uh, maybe what people don't realize is the St. Louis Stars didn't have a whole hell of a lot of success during that time frame and the one thing that stands out for me is the year that you guys lost in the finals of the league to the Cosmos, I believe, 2-1. to one. Um, You were a big-time member of that team, made an all-star team. Um, can you talk about that year specifically? Because that's probably on record, not probably is, the most successful year the St. Louis Stars ever had within that NASL franchise.
3: Well, Jared, uh, we had two years that were really outstanding. One was 72 when we went to the final and we had uh casey frankwitz was our coach mm-hmm. and he did a great job we had a uh, couple players that would come in from chicago mike Winner mm-hmm. was our goalkeeper and willie roy was a striker and uh willie scored a bunch of goals gene geimer had a great year uh scoring goals but that was a year that we we played up at hofstra university and we got beat I want to say they're 2-1, 3-2, something like that in the final. Um, But that was really a solid team. I mean, up and down. um, Steve Frank, Gary Renzing, two center backs that were unbelievable. Um, Then in 75, Peter Benetti came over. It was our goalkeeper. I don't know if you remember that name. Was he like a backup was, for the
1: English goalkeeper? He was. Yeah, yeah. And he 66 was, backup?
3: Exactly. Exactly. And he played in uh, the 70 World Cup. And, uh, you know, there, there was a goal that Brazil scored that people said, Benetti, you know, he was off his line, not off his line, that type of thing. and uh, But he was an unbelievable goalkeeper. Um the, and we had a very, very good team, and we got beat by Portland in the semifinals. Finals,
1: okay. And the, the two most successful I, years on record for it, the Stars. Go ahead.
3: Without a doubt.
0: I'm really curious what your what you were thinking and and what what your impression of the league was that in real time because you you were you were you know kind of a founder so to speak, and you saw it start to morph into what it became, really from a global perspective. What was going through your mind when you started to see names like Pelé and Cruyff and Uh, uh, Beckenbauer and all these players coming to play in the league that, you know, that's your league. You, You played all, you had all those caps, you had all those goals. What did it mean to you to know that those guys were coming to play on the field with you?
3: Well, yeah, you know, I thought it was, it was great. Um, it gave the league a real identity, yeah. and I think uh, it it put us on the sports page.
0: Was Was there any of those names? Take Pele out. Was there any of them that you were just like, "I'm in awe," it, I, this guy is amazing?
3: Well, Johan Cruyff was one. He came and and played up in Washington D.C. Uh, he was was incredible. Um, like I, I was saying, in St. Louis, we had Sheck Lawrence, who was a player at the World Cup in 1960. Wow. And uh, as a Yugoslavian player. So what the league had great players, but it wasn't until Pele came that it, it really forced uh, the media to pay attention. And and I think at that particular time, I, I think it was a real boost for soccer. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. So
2: without question. Go ahead, Zach. I, I just I'm just in awe I mean we've we've, we've talked to so many folks um, we talked to Gary Renzing on a weekly basis because his, his grandson <laughs> yeah. plays with our sons and so we get to chat with Gary and, and the people that we meet with the altros the world who still substitute teaches at Parkway <laughs> South on his off days great guys you guys are playing against and you are playing against the best in the world during that time and and the experiences that you had and the stories you have are just so (laughs) they're just iconic and so this is kind of a jump the shark kind of questions we're going to talk about the steamers but i want to ask this (laughs) so the last professional outdoor team that st louis had really was the stars Mm mm-hmm in 1970, what was that, 1979? 77 was her last year. 77. 77 to 2023. Did Was that surprising to you that when the MLS came out, following on the, the coattails of the 94 World Cup, did it surprise you that it took us another 30 years to get it, a, a professional outdoor team? It, it really did. It really did. And it
3: just seemed like uh, you, you kept waiting for somebody to step up. You right. know, and uh, do what Enterprise and Jim Cavanaugh have done, uh, but there was nobody in between there, and I,
2: I think that was that was tough. And not to take away from STLFC or AC St Louis I or any of those, that, but any of the line all I, the I, other teams. I understand what you're I mean. Correctly. Major league,
1: exactly. What about this indoor team we're about to talk about?
2: Right? I think it's time
1: outdoor. But I know yes. what you mean. I know what you mean.
0: Before we get into the dirt of the steamer years, were you two together at that time?
1: Uh we were. Okay. Yeah.
0: All right, so
2: everything's on
3: the table, right? Everything's on the table.
2: Yeah. We're, we're okay.
3: We're okay
0: with I'm that.
2: I'm getting yeah, I'm getting it done. <laughs> of- what what year are we are we celebrating a year this year of marriage? Uh Fifty-five. 50- well, congratulations. Wow. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's amazing.
0: So, NASL is, in you know, in the late 70s entering into kind of, uh, it was they were rocky to put it kindly. And then going into MISL, it, it, it comes up to the table. There's a transition in U.S. soccer, specifically for domestic players. And here comes the St. Louis Steamers organization. When, when you saw that percolating and and kind of the shift from a pro outdoor eleven v eleven, you know traditional format to this indoor chaos, <laughs> <laughs> there's this speed, this crazy. Were you just like hell yeah, I'm in. I,
3: I. I was, I, <laughs> I was in right from the beginning. We, we had dur- during those. Uh, ten years that I played with the NASL we, we had um, three of the years we had indoor tournaments and they were the most fun that, that was a, something to do during the winter is how they advertised it but it was uh, I, I just loved it I just loved playing it and uh, when St. Louis had the chance uh, to get a franchise I was just happy to, that they were coming here Coming to St. Louis, so
0: let's talk about the year one. Year one, go ahead. Do, let's do some name dropping. Who's, oh boy. who's, who's in that? <laughs> who's in that locker room? Who's on that bench with you? That, you know, that 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 inaugural season for you. Who are your ride well, or die partners?
3: Yeah, uh, well, year one was was great from the standpoint um, when I was named the coach. Uh, we had three players. I was told right off the bat, and that was Steve Petcher, Ty Keel, and Tony Bellinger. Okay. That those three players were going to be part of the team. Well, those are three national team players. Yeah. Those are three players. Well, I have, with to with have these guys. That, okay. Yeah. That just, <laughs> that just came back from Hungary. Yeah. And beating Hungary on in Europe, two to one, and was our first um, victory on European soil ever. In you here, know? you thought you were going to so, have
0: to go down to Bear Park and pull some kudas uh, kids or exactly, something, right?
3: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, I mean, that that was great to to have those three players. Then we had uh, Paul Turn was our goalkeeper. Um, Manny Cuenca was a player that played forward and was very good. Uh, Carl Rose uh, just had a fabulous career. Uh, it was just. So much fun as far as putting that team together.
0: Well, I, I find this super ironic that we're yeah. sitting here at Mellow Mushroom, and I don't know if you were able to hear it in the background, but you have Rush playing in the background. Oh. <laughs> and I'm thinking of just the cultural relevance of the Steamers and that location and the time frame. You know, the kind of that overlap of KC-95 and Budweiser Beer and just the whole brand of St. Louis. And the Steamers really kind of epitomized all of that was it what did it mean to you or like how could you explain to someone that isn't from here the balance that that team that place had with kind of the rock and roll lifestyle and the chaos and 18,000 19,000 people how would you describe that
3: Yeah, you know probably the only way hey I'll share a few stories okay as far as yeah, first. You like stories, okay. and
0: just so you know, this is a rated R show. Oh, so okay. <laughs> it's, it's, we're good.
3: Okay. So, so here, here we are, the first night. Now, nobody. We we thought we'd have a good crowd. We might have 12,000 people. Wow. Which would be a good crowd. Okay. So, uh, right before the game, uh, our general manager came in and said, "Hey, the game's going to be delayed for thirty minutes. They just can't." They cannot handle the crowd, you know, that they're just, we have, to, if we start now, they're going to miss maybe the first half of the game, so we're going to push it back for a half hour. So they delayed the start of the game for a half hour, and we have 18,000 people there. We get beat by Hartford, 5-2 to two or something like that. We were a so-so team that first year, and um, but we were very competitive. Um, we, we get beat. Well, the first four games are very similar, 18,000, 18,000, 18,000, 18. So, I'm going, um, and each uh, scenario was the same where the gen- GM's coming down and saying, hey, we got I said, well, why don't we just start, you know, at 8 o'clock instead of 7.30? Well, if we do that, we'll be starting at 8:30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so you just can't do it like that. So anyway, it was a good problem to have. Um, so, to have the crowds that we had.
0: So you knew you knew a lot of people at that time due to obviously your slew years and all the years in the NASL. You knew you knew the market across the country. Was there was there like a phone chain of people calling you saying what is going on in St. Louis? 18,000 people? Because you had to have known many of the players and staff at some of the other MISL organizations.
3: Was there a buzz that kind of stood out to you? There, there was. There, there was a buzz, and it seemed like everything, everything that we were doing, we were doing right. Um, Kevin Slayton was an important part of the presentation, you know, as a PA announcer. Sure, he's
1: a young guy at that and time as
3: well. At that time, he was a young guy, and... Uh, he was really into it, um, and at that time, I think he was with uh, either, I, I think, uh, Channel 2, you know, yeah. so I mean, that's a little extra uh, advertisement, um, but i the, the weird thing about it from a coaching standpoint, I had a real good friend in the uh, front office who was a lawyer, worked with the team, and he told me, he said, hey, Pat, now don't say this to anybody but i'm telling you this um in confidence hey if we didn't have the crowds that we have we would have folded after the first three games wow and i'm going what (laughs) (laughs) And, and he just said hey we're going gate to gate we just hopefully let's keep it going and if we keep it going we're going to be fine but i just want to let you know that hey that's That's a problem that we would have had.
2: Now, I want to remind just a little bit, because when did you hang your boots up? Seventy? Seventy-six. Seventy-six. That was my last year. And then this is 1980? This is 79. 79. Yeah. So there's a three-year gap in there. Did you have some success at other places as a coach before you became the Steamers head coach?
3: Well, I was over at SIU Edwardsville as an assistant coach,
2: and then I went to Merrimack. Did you do anything at Merrimack?
3: Uh, we won a
2: national championship. Oh, that's right. You won a national <laughs> championship. Well, did you also all these little to speed bumps in <laughs> did the you conversation? You also happen to win coach of the year yeah. as well. Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> I mean, I just I like yeah, setting that nice. up because we hear these stories from these, these icons like yourself, and I don't think people realize the effort that came before the success and all the effort that you put in in the NASL and then jumping into coaching as an assistant at SIUE, and then going over to Merrimack, and not just doing okay, but winning a national championship. We said the same thing to Trost. He's like, oh, yeah, I forgot I won that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to have that many accolades to forget a national championship. Yeah. Um, but I think it, it sets things up, because you were not an older gentleman at the time. You were 34 when you took yeah. over, or 35. Um, that's incredible, and to have... A group of of mostly St. Louis guys. Um, how much were you involved in kind of the selection of the team? I know you mentioned those three guys that were kind of here's who we have, but beyond the pitchers of the world, yeah. <laughs> uh, How much influence did you have on kind of the selection and recruiting?
3: Yeah, you know, Zach. It was pretty much up to up to me and my staff, and uh, I had had a lot of people that I could. Uh, Asked advice for and that would help me with player selection and that type of thing so it just wasn't a one person job um but the next year the second year with um with the steamers probably the the well there were a couple big uh acquisitions one was Tony Glavin heard of him uh yeah heard of him the old coming. pocket rocket
2: yeah. yeah
3: uh Tony Glavin was a player that um that we got from up east uh, and one of our owners had a good in and was able to um, help us secure Glavin. And then I had a, <clears throat> a friend that I played against at Michigan State, Klaus DeBoer was his name mm-hmm. and <clears throat> he was an assistant coach with Detroit in the NASL. And he called me and he said, Hey, I've got a goalkeeper up here, that he's got. A, he's on a um, visa that is going to expire in 10 days. His name, Slobo Ilievski. Heard of him? If you would want to take a look, I, I really, Pat, I really think he can be a good indoor goalkeeper. I haven't seen him play indoor, but I think he could be really good. So Slobo comes, comes in. Jeez. Um, Tells me, hey, I've got ten days left. Speaks very broken English, and we're um, we're in training, and we're in training for about twenty minutes. And Carl Rose, he says, "Did did we sign him yet?" You know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
3: but Carl it was, Carl wasn't yeah.
1: the type of guy that you didn't think you didn't know. At all times, you knew what he was thinking. Correct? Oh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I hear. Carl
3: was no, he was great, but you know, and then a couple other guys that go, well, like, hey, we let's get this guy. You know, yes. that type of thing. And wow. it's a
0: it's a cool and, it's a cool name too. Slowbo. It just had a ring to it. it, it yeah, you know? it really did. <laughs> I I got to ask you about one of your players. He was the rookie of the year 80-81 season. Uh, the Mister Don Ebes, Ebert. Um,
3: well, How, how was he? he? He was unbelievable. He was, yeah. you know, I, I look at that team, and there were some really strong, strong personalities. And I think that's what made that team such a great team. Were you involved in bringing him home from the Cosmos? Well, I don't know if I was involved in bringing him home, but he wanted to try out, and we gave him the tryout. Yep. and uh that was i mean it was a perfect fit
1: everything just clicked right it,
3: it it really did eber was as important of a pickup as Slobo, as um tony glavin wow and he just you know fit in he was a perfect fit and uh it was just a a uh, great connection. I, I have a question for
0: you about these guys, I'm, and I'm gonna—we'll sh- come back to this in a second. But it's just occurred to me because we've talked to other coaches uh, from the high school level and, and beyond. Uh, you know, we've, we've mentioned Gene off mic here, right? Earlier, uh, you have Terry Mickler. Um, uh, you know, these these coaches that have these generational impacts, and all of them, to a man, have talked about. The pride that they have in seeing the the kids slash players come up, you know, under under their umbrella, and then go on to coach, you know, at a multitude of levels. You through this process, you coach some pretty good guys that have went on to coach themselves. Shit, all of them. At, it seems like. At, <laughs> yeah. do, do, is is that fun to look at that that? That the baton uh, is being, forget. you know, look, the games are fun, the experiences are fun, the cups are fun. All of that, the game itself is exciting. But talk about kind of that, uh, that emotional connection to coaching and seeing it being passed down through your players.
3: Oh, it, it really is. And, yeah, you know, uh, John Strumlop is another player uh-huh. that went into coaching mm-hmm. and was a great coach. We talked about Gary Renzing. Who you guys run into? Uh, great coach. Um, I, I think it uh, it says a lot about the sport, and it says a lot about the growth of the sport, and that players are 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 looking to, uh, um, go into coaching and to offer whatever they can. And I, you know, some do it for a living, some do it. It's, you know, just something they love
2: to do. Gary's got three kids that are all coaches.
3: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Exactly.
2: Yeah, that domino
0: has kept on falling.
2: Exactly. I I have to Uh, ask about the the dark period. uh, That was
0: exactly the words I was going (laughs) to (laughs) use. Literally. What I'm
2: referring to is your move from... St. Louis to Kansas City, oh. <laughs> yes, uh, and the fact that you had to live over there for that long. No, oh, I, li- I, I lived on that bar state for five years as well. So I, I'm, yeah. I'm, poking fun a little bit, but I don't want to dredge up old wounds right. necessarily. But your, your your career ended at the steamers in 81, 82. Right, right. And then you move over to Kansas city. What was that like to, to stay within the league, but to leave St. Louis for the first time, really in your professional career. Right. How was that for you, for your family and, and, and that, that experience?
3: You know, it, it was question. very, it was very difficult. It, it really was. It, I didn't want to leave. Uh, I don't think we really want to get into all of that. We couldn't, you know, arrive at a contract, whatever. Um, so I went up to Kansas City. Hey, thank God my, my wife was, she was all farred, and hey, we went up and um, worked with a couple people up there that had been influential in St. Louis. The Liewickies, uh, Tracy and Tim Liewickie were both up there. And uh, it was like just starting, starting anew again. You know,
1: it was and, really hard there, though, because you just didn't have the caliber of player on that side of the state. Correct. W- <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> uh, yes. Could you,
0: could you repeat that, please, yeah. for the record?
3: <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it took a while.
0: <laughs> well, we, we we're not going to dwell on the case years. We just wanted to make sure that uh, we were all on the same page, that it's tough. Playing, coaching, yeah. being around the game of <laughs> soccer in Kansas City. But he hurt? makes it's his right. way back, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you made your way back. You come back. You're you're in St. Louis then from '85 through '87. Um, let's let's kind of time warp a little bit, and I want to kind of skip over the generations because you you come out of MISL. Um, we've got the '94 World Cup, you know. Just and what I'm where I'm going with this is your perception your kind of uh uh view of the game coming out of 94 world cup two years later we have the mls uh you know and and now 27 years after that we finally get our team what did you what did what did you think was happening why do you think soccer in your opinion why do you think it grew the way that it did here um and we, we and we already touched on the frustration with St. Louis not being part of that early, but why why do you think it continued to grow the way that it did?
3: Well, yeah, you know, I think there's so many different factors in that. Um, I, I think the sport as a whole. I, I I think we would really be remiss if we didn't think about um, the role that women's soccer has really oh, played. Hundred percent. I think that's been a a big part of it, uh, and I think that's been been a big plus in terms of numbers. Um, the sheer leaders in our game exposure. from St. Louis, yeah. exactly. Yeah. exactly. I I just think sometimes you you overlook that when you just look at you know at the men. Uh, you have to take into that uh, consideration also. Um, yeah, and the sport itself, I, I just think, uh, you know, there's so many, like we, we've talked about, all the former players that went into coaching, and, you know, I think they, yeah. they in, term, in terms of the players that they coach, how many of them go into coaching, you know, that type of thing. So I, I just think it's, uh, you know, from a marketing standpoint, I think, you know, it, it's been great. Go ahead.
0: Well, my my part B to that is, why do you think, in your opinion, why, how, why does St. Louis or did St. Louis get it so right? What's different about the game here? Because you've had a front row seat from, you know, your childhood all the way up to what we've done as a city in relation to, to the game. Why do you think that is? What sets us apart?
3: You know, again, it's hard to put your finger on, you know, because, uh, you know, as we were, as we've been talking, there there was that that gap there as far as professional leagues, there, there was what, 25 year gap, you know, where we didn't have a professional league yet. St. Louis continued to, to keep playing, you know, and, uh, yeah, you know, I, I don't think we've, um, we've kind of sat back, but if you look at, look at the college soccer, St. Louis U, the last uh, national championship that they won was in 73. Right. I mean, so you're talking, they a won nine of the first 15, and it's been a while since we've won another one. And,
2: you know, hopefully, uh, you know, we're going to get one. But go ahead, Zach. Well, I, I just think, so you stopped coaching the Steamers in 87. <clears throat> I know you stayed in touch with the right. game. Where were you, and and what was your family doing when you got the call that you're going to Dallas, you're getting into the Hall of Fame for the National Soccer Hall of Fame?
3: Uh, let's see. You know, Bob Keel, uh, he was... Somebody that uh, I really looked up to, and somebody that was a big part of my life, and he was the one that he really was pushing and wanted to see that happen. And I think that was, you know, the first time, uh, you know, that I was aware of that, that
2: that was going to happen. And and that was '94. Yeah. What, what did that mean to you? And all the accolades we've already kind of rolled out for you with the national championships and the different titles and the different coach of the year awards where does the hall of fame with the national hall of fame rank up there yeah
3: you know zach i I mean any award like that i mean you it's it's not personal i i never have taken them as personal i i always feel that hey you've got hey so many people behind you you have your family you have hey, all the coaches and all the players, and you accept that kind of accolade, not for yourself, but hey, this is for St. Louis, this is is
2: who I am. And coming from a guy whose nickname was Buzzsaw from a couple people, (laughs) that's saying a lot. Uh, For for a guy who five nine and just lit people up and crushed, it's amazing to hear the humility um, I loved how you gave credit to the women's game as a as a precursor for where we are today. Yeah, it, it tells a lot about the character that you and, and your family have. And or and I, yeah, well Very exactly. very appreciative. All
1: that is right on right on key. Uh, I, I would kick myself in the butt um, if I didn't bring this up because we have a lot of listeners that grew up in this town. The Pat McBride Soccer Camp. How long uh, yeah. did that last? Um, uh, how many years were you involved in that? And I know from people that went of how much fun they had at that camp. Yeah, it was probably a lot of work, but can can you talk about those years running your camp? Because there's probably however many numbers of listeners that played the game in our in our city here, and 75% of them went to one of your camps. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I did it for. You know, I think it was 30 years. Wow! And that's impressive. It was never, I. It was never a job. It was never something that, uh, well, I've got to do this to to earn a living, uh, make a few extra bucks, or that. It was just something I loved doing. And you know, we uh, uh, introduced the first girls' camp. You know, overnight girls' camp wow. out of Lindenwood University. Yep. And this was back
1: in the eighties, yeah. and it was it was just fun. I know I Carl mean, was a big help. He, you guys, you guys were thick as thieves during that time because Carl helped out a lot with with the, with the being at Lindenwood, correct? Carl Hutter. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: And uh, he he was. Now Carl played for me in Merrimack. Okay, you know, <laughs> back in nineteen seventy six. Yeah. So
0: so so is there any child in the St. Louis <laughs> metropolitan area, be a camp or other? that that hasn't played for you in the last 50 years. <laughs> oh. hey. That
3: doesn't have a t-shirt. So. <laughs> yeah. Well it's,
0: well, it's funny. I mean, it's. I didn't even think about this, but literally the night Max, my 10-year-old, comes walking downstairs. He's got a soccer camp t-shirt yeah. on. Guess which one it is? <laughs> well. It's
1: a throwback. Mrs. McBride tells us the story. You have to tell the story of a friend oh. of yours. This is a hilarious story for our listeners.
3: Yeah. You know, every five, seven years, whatever, we would go through uh, all the the old shirts and hey, we, we gotta do something with these, and hey, we would take them to, um, you know. The St. Vincent Paul like, Society, t- yeah, stuff like that, donate them. So, some drop-off place where you know that, hey, somebody can get some use out of them. And um, I got a picture, I had a friend, who was doing some missionary work in Africa. <laughs> and he sent me a picture of, uh, of a black African girl that was probably a teenager that had a Pat McBride soccer camp on That's shirt funny. on. So all these kids and, are running
0: around in hand-me-down menu yeah. jerseys in Liverpool and there's a McBride
1: soccer camp. Exactly. <laughs> that gal's you know, kids probably have 2024 Detroit Lions Super Bowl champs <laughs> shirt on. <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs>
3: That's probably right.
0: Hey, uh, this this has been a blast. I really appreciate us being able to connect. There there was uh,
3: one story I wanted to tell you about. Can I tell you about it? Absolutely. I'd love to. Let's hear it. Boy, I have a hard time talking about slow
1: Yeah, uh, the emotion on your face, we can tell, man. Special guy.
3: You You know, I was saying how we had uh, ten days to to make a decision, so we we didn't mess around with it. After about three or four days, we said, "Hey, Slobo, we're going to sign you." So, you know, I bring him into the office. Tim Rooney, my assistant coach, who was a great coach and a great great help, was right with me, and um, I, Slobo, hey, here's a contract. We want you to sign. Blah blah blah. So he says uh well thank you and blah 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 signs and the next day he brings me a little box and i open the box i said what are you doing you know he says well yesterday you make me happy today i make you happy so i open the box and there's four chocolate covered strawberries (laughs) you know (laughs) so i'm going are you kidding me (laughs) because we didn't know how this was going to work out he could you know, yeah. fall flat on his face, yeah, yeah. not really work out, that type of thing. But so thank you. Well, 12 years later, they have a night for Slobo and, um, uh, you know, his going away game, the whole bit. So we met at a restaurant down by the arena for lunch, and I bring... A box of chocolate-covered strawberries, and wow. I put it on the table. He, he starts crying, <laughs> and I, I mean, it was so emotional. That's freaking. The, awesome. yeah. The waitress comes over. She goes, "Is it the food? What? <laughs> what do we do? What is the coffee not the hot <laughs> or whatever? You know. I mean, it was it was funny, but he was, you know, all those guys." were unbelievable personalities and you know i can't speak highly and enough of all of them you know sam bick oh my gosh yeah i couldn't go i can't believe i went through this whole interview without mentioning his <laughs> name you know and it's mark frederickson you know these guys were special special people
2: well you sharing, we man. we asked you what was special about st louis and you struggled to kind of put your finger on it, it's what you said I think you just did. Yeah, it's it's the people. It's the people, and so it's the relationships, it, and it's the impact that you as a coach, you as a player, as a parent, as a, a fan, as a supporter. It's all those those people that make this city special for this game, and and I just I can't thank you enough. Well, yeah,
0: I, I, I appreciate it. <clears throat> I agree, and, I, and I'll kind of close it out here because I've said this about a a, a handful of individuals. That that stadium down there, city 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 park, city SC, all of that, none of that happens without individuals like yourself. No so way. thank you for what you've done because thank it, you, very it, we're able to like keep you know passing it along. So kudos to you, thank you, thank and, you, and thank your wife as well
3: for well, coming
0: and hanging out with us. <laughs> it,
3: it was fun. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Hey, anytime you're welcome back anytime, and uh, gentlemen. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mellow Mushroom, for having us. Uh, I'm going to roll this out of here with a little more Jackson 5 for you, J.R. Oh, love I love it. You down? Know?
1: That, that story about Slobo. <laughs> I mean, have we talked to anybody in that era that has anything bad to say about Slobo? No. No. No, Ed, and I'm we, not just had, making that shit up. Yeah, I mean, we had nobody.
0: We had, we had Ed on early, Gedemeyer. Yeah. Um, and he, same thing, all the stories. I mean, we could go on and on. Uh, thank you, you guys. We're gonna let you go because you've got dinner. Way more important things to do. Than <laughs> thank, you. thank you. Thank and you. And we're out of here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, we'll catch. We'll catch you on the next episode. See ya.
3: You guys gotta pick up. Friends.